Welcome to WFUV's What's What. It's Monday, July 25th. What's What is a daily podcast that explores current events, culture, news, and hot topic issues in New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut. And includes features and interviews exclusively from WFUV. I'm Addison Colombo. And I'm Christina Lulich. Here's today's headlines. There's a severe storm expected to hit New York City today. That's right, Christina. The city is under a severe thunderstorm warning from 2 to 4 p.m. tonight, and some officials warn that flash floods are possible. Con Edison has been preparing for any power outages that could occur. Con Ed reminds people to stay away from downed power lines and to charge their phones in case of a blackout. This past weekend, the World Health Organization declared monkeypox to be a public health emergency. Cases have now been reported in 74 countries. In New York City, there are over 800 confirmed cases. People have been protesting, criticizing government officials for their slow response to the virus. Over 11 percent of confirmed cases in New York City are people in the Bronx. A bill regarding the state of New York's pets has just reached Governor Hochul's desk. That's right, Madison. This would ban the sale of dogs, cats and rabbits in roughly 80 New York pet stores. Advocates of the bill say the move would help put the brakes on puppy mills and harmful breeders. But many pet stores say the bill would put them out of business. Hochul hasn't shared her thoughts on the issue yet, but the bill awaits her signature. The Newport Folk Festival took place this past weekend in Connecticut and featured some star-studded performers. Lucy Dacus, Paul Simon, and Brandi Carlisle were just some of the musicians present. Joni Mitchell also took to the Newport stage for the first time in 20 years. It was her first full public concert since 2000 after a series of health complications. The 78-year-old singer performed her most famous song, Big Yellow Taxi. She also performed classics like A Case of You and The Circle Game. You can get updates on the festival on the WFUV website. So Madison, have you heard a 1952 Mickey Mantle baseball card could be auctioned off for over $10 million? That is a lot of money. The card was purchased by a New Jersey man at a New York City auction in the 90s for $50,000. Since then, the card's value has clearly gone sky high. The card of the former Yankees player will be on auction starting Wednesday. We've got WFUV's Sam Davis to tell us what else is going on with the Yankees. The Yankees were winners yesterday, defeating the Orioles 6 to nothing. Aaron Judge hit his 37th home run, putting him on pace for 62 homers, which is a Yankees franchise record. The Mets also won last night, defeating the Padres 8-5 in a much-needed win to bring their division lead up to one and a half games over the Braves. Pete Alonso had a big three-run homer to start the scoring for a previously struggling Mets offense. Mets fans hope this is a sign of them breaking out of their hitting woes. This sets the scene for tomorrow night, when the Mets and Yankees will square off for a two-game set at Citi Field. Off the field, the Baseball Hall of Fame induction ceremony took place yesterday in Cooperstown, New York, where seven inductees were immortalized in the hall. David Ortiz was the headliner, being a first ballot Hall of Famer thanks to a 20-year career with the Twins and Red Sox winning three World Series championships with Boston. The Hall of Fame also paid tribute to icons who paved the way for future generations of the game. Bud Fowler was elected into the Hall as the first African-American baseball player, years before the MLB and Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier. Fowler was from Cooperstown, becoming the first local to be inducted in the history of the Hall of Fame. Minnie Minosa was considered the Latino Jackie Robinson for being a trailblazer for other players from Latin America who make up such an important part of the MLB today. 
Buck O'Neill, the first black coach in the major leagues, was also inducted. Finally, you can't forget Gil Hodges, one of Jackie Robinson's closest teammates and friends when they both played for the Brooklyn Dodgers. He won three World Series championships, one with Brooklyn, one with L.A., and one as a manager of the 1969 Miracle Mets. Over in the NBA, the Celtics have engaged in trade talks with the Nets for superstar Kevin Durant. KD requested a trade almost a month ago, but the Nets have been unable to make a deal in that time. This news is a sign that the trade talks may be heating up between Brooklyn and Boston. For WFUV Sports, I'm Sam Davis. Thanks, Sam. There are roughly 12 million female-owned businesses in the U.S. 40% of companies are owned by women. That's according to the National Association of Women Business Owners. These female entrepreneurs face challenges when it comes to gaining resources. So I spoke to CEO Hazel Estwick Hurley and the president and CEO of Carver Bank, Michael Pugh, about what community banks are doing to help women business owners. Black female entrepreneurs are the fastest-growing demographic of business owners, with nearly 3 million businesses nationwide, according to J.P. Morgan. Hazel Estwick Hurley is the CEO of Athari Recruiting. Athari, which means impact in Swahili, was founded to help other people of color in the tech space. And I've decided to go into the recruiting uh, space because I wanted to make an impact um, in my community. Um, People of color, black and brown individuals, are very much underrepresented in the tech space. And I feel that having a recruiting firm to focus on diverse candidates um, will help, um, you know, alleviate this, this disparity. In the early stages of the startup, Carver Bank stepped in to support. Carver Bank is a community bank that was founded in the 1940s to help middle-income people who couldn't get assistance from bigger mainstream banks. We uh, began working with Carver Bank, uh, who has been uh, very supportive um, in this journey. Uh, Carver Bank is very supportive of the um, Black and Brown community, and we wanted to be supportive of a bank that is supportive of the community. Carver Bank helped Athari get a line of credit, a place for deposits, and networking opportunities. CEO and president of Carver Bank Michael Pugh said Carver is a CDFI, which stands for Community Development Financial Institution. These banks are different from mainstream banks because they're required to invest roughly 60% of every dollar to benefit their communities. Now, if you take that and connect it to women entrepreneurship, What that means is that CDFIs are consistently thinking about how to get access to capital out there uh, and deliver to historically underserved segments of our population. Women entrepreneurs are definitely part of that group that have historically not uh, had capital. Pew says partnerships are another important resource CDFIs like Carver provide. And I think that through those relationships established with CDFIs, what you will find is that they also really focus on developing partnerships with public and private sector to address the holistic needs of entrepreneurs. CDFIs help provide these businesses with the tools they need to succeed. That can mean providing affordable software or facilitating financial education programs. Whatever the need, CDFIs aim to help communities, especially those that have been historically underserved. I'm Christina Lulich, WFUV News. That was my co-host, Christina Lulich, speaking with community banks about how they're helping boost female entrepreneurs. 
Every Monday, the What's What podcast gives you the FUV Sports Spotlight. It's when we offer excerpts from One on One, the longest-running sports call-in show in New York. WFUV spoke with FUV alum and CBS Sports broadcaster Spiro Didis about how his time at Fordham and the station shaped his career. How was the transition from working on college broadcast at WFUV to joining some of the biggest networks in, you know, one of the largest sports markets in the world? When I got to Fordham, when I first walked into Keating Hall, and obviously the, the biggest reason I went to Fordham was because of FUV, but walking into the place for the first time, um, getting the lay of the land, and then realizing the opportunities that we had at our fingertips there, it, it, was, it was like being in a fantasy land, you know, this fantasy world of, of opportunity. And from day one, all I cared about, you know, I put my, all my schoolwork to the side, I remember, you know, I wasn't even buying textbooks after a certain point in my freshman year because I was so obsessed with the radio station and just getting back there. If they had a bed or a place to sleep, I probably would have been sleeping there at night. But it was it was such an amazing opportunity and, and place and the people and the workshops we had with with legends like Marty Glickman and then getting to meet all the pros and, and Mike Breen and. Chris Carino and Michael Kay and Bob Pop, all guys who had been my broadcast heroes. I would love to know, do you still take that training that you got in FUV into into your work life today? In terms of the training, absolutely. You know, I, I get ready for a game now and I can still hear Marty Glickman's voice in my head telling me scoring time. Um, mm -hmm. And he he was such a stickler for the details the, the great thing about Marty Glickman for, for any of, you know, people of, of your generation who don't know, I mean, he was Marv Albert before Marv Albert and he would come into to Keating Hall, this, this larger than life broadcast uh, presence and would listen to our stuff and he wouldn't sugarcoat. I mean, he would, he would let you have it if he thought that you didn't have a good broadcast. And so when Marty was positive and when he was encouraging of your work, you knew that you'd really done something. So I, I, I'm, I'm not kidding. I mean, the other night before the game, as I was preparing, I could still hear his voice. I could still hear some of the teachings and, and some of the things that he imparted. So that, that has stayed with me all these years later, you know, however many years it is. That was WFUV's Thomas Quigley and Kelly Bright talking with Spiro Didis. And that's our show for today. I'm Madison Colombo. And I'm Christina Lulich. Check back with us tomorrow at 3 o'clock for more news, music, culture, and sports. And tell your friends so they can find WFUV's What's What at WFUVnews.org and wherever you get your podcasts.